It is indeed so good to see you today. I, I hope many of you can join us out. Uh, you can go ahead and be seated. We, we'll pray in a moment and dismiss our children in a moment. But I uh, hope you will join us uh, out for baptism uh, in, in the river setting. I've, I've been kidding our deacons. You know, one of the early jobs of deacons in a Texas Baptist church was to go into the river and scare the water moccasins away before the preacher got in. I've always loved deacons for that. Do keep in mind to pray daily for your pastor search committee and pray for your pastor who will be coming. Be blessed to come and hasten and look forward to the day when, when that will happen. But in the meantime, we have a job to do. And it's that job that we're about this day and really every day, that of being the church. So with that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we're your people Help us understand the depths of that and the wonder of that, the blessing of that. And yes, Father, even the difficulty of that in our kind of world, may we be your church in all we do. May serving you and praising you be our very breath, our very longing. And Father, we do lift our pastor search team to you, the committee. Thank you for the way that you've been guiding them and preparing them, uniting them. We pray that you will continue to do that. And we pray that very soon you will make known to, through them their recommendation to this church for the coming pastor. And we'll rejoice in that day. Now, Father, this day we come to your word and I pray that you shall speak to every heart here through your word. And when we go in a little while, may we go better prepared to be the church, not just in the building, but in the world. Father, speak now. Oh, we ask in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, our children who would like to go to Children's Church are dismissed at this time. And parents, they'll meet you back after we're done in here. And Open your Bibles, please, again to 1 Peter, to chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 4 and read through verse 12. 1 Peter, chapter 2, beginning in verse 4 and going through verse 12. Hear the words of the big fisherman, but... More important even than that, the word of God is given to Peter. 
and coming to him as a living stone which has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word And to their doom they were also appointed. But you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the one thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. May God bless that word to our hearts today. How long since you read the story of the three little pigs? Well, that's too long. Uh, It's wonderful to have an ex-second grade school teacher in the family where I got into her books last night and read it again. For one thing, I marvel at how uh, tough some of the children's literature is. It could be R-rated. You remember there, there was this sow who had three pigs, three little pigs. That sow was not from the hill country. I have not seen a sow in the hill country who would only have three in a litter. But anyway, she couldn't take care of those three, and so she set them free. And remember, the first little pig took off, and he found a man who had some straw. And he said, sir, give me some straw that I may build a house. And uh, he did, and the little pig built his house of straw, and along came 
My competitions shouldn't be so cute. (laughs) Along came the wolf. And he said, let me in or I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And the little pig said, no, 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 by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And the wolf huffed and puffed and blew the house down and he ate the pig. The second pig went off toward town or somewhere and he came upon a man. And I learned a new word, which I can't remember, an English word for sticks. But the man had sticks. He said, sir, give me some sticks so that I may build my house. And the man did. The little pig took the sticks and built his house. And along came the wolf. And he said, let me in. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And the little pig said, no, 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 by the hair of my chinny chin chin, you can't come in. And he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down and he ate the second little pig. And the third little pig found a man who had some brick or stones. And he said, give me some so that I may build my house. And he did, and that pig took those stones and built his house out of brick or stones, and along came the wolf. And he said, let me in, or I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And that little pig said, no, 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 by the hair of my chinny chin chin, I guess he should have shaved, you know. And the wolf, you recall, huffed and puffed and huffed and puffed and huffed and puffed and blew and blew and blew, but the house never went down. Now, there's lots more to the story, but I'm going to stop there. You go look and read the rest if you want to know. But there's something to be said by building with rocks or bricks. And that's our of the point. Peter is reminding us in this passage that God is building a house. And it's a spiritual house. It is the church. And it really doesn't have much to do with this framing and this beautiful stained glass and these lovely rocks in the baptistry, although we enjoy coming here to worship. But the spiritual house that God is building is His church. And His church is not a physical structure. His church is His people. The church is built out of people. It's to be a place of hope. And it's to be a place where his people come together in his name and worship him. And Peter here is issuing the call to remember that God is building his church out of stones. But they're not stones like these. They're living stones. Peter is big on this word living. He's already talked about that living hope that we come to again and again. 
He's already spoke about that living word, which is always alive and active and can lead us straightway. And here he comes to talk about living stones. Now, there are really three different kinds of stones, if you please, in this text. Two of them are great building stones and one a great warning stone. Now, the first one, of course, is the cornerstone. We sang it a few minutes ago. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is building his church. Let me release you from a great deal of guilt and frustration. It really isn't your job nor my job, nor even your pastor's job, who's coming to build the church himself. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, upon this rock, and I'm convinced he pointed at himself, upon this rock, I will build my church. And remember what he said next, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is, it's going to be on the offensive. It's not going to be defeated. I'm going to build my church. And we can rejoice and rejoice again in that. Now, he is the cornerstone of the church. That's exactly what Peter is saying here. And he reaches back into the Old Testament and he quotes Isaiah and points out he is a cornerstone. Do you, do you know, remember what a cornerstone is? It's that place where two walls come together in a building. And it signifies the strength of the building. Or holding the building together. Or standing for why the building is built. The worship center in Lano was built in 1956 as I recall. And when it was built, the old worship center was torn down. And for some reason, the pastor took the cornerstone when he moved with him from that old church. And while I was interim over there, while we were going through the history and all that kind of thing, the pastor's family, the pastor who took it was now deceased. The pastor's family contacted the church and said, we have the cornerstone out of the 1935 worship center. And we think the church ought to have it. And we received that and put it in the historical room because of what it signifies. Now, Jesus is the cornerstone. Whose church is this? It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. He's building it. He holds it together. He binds it together. Uh, Peter echoes Paul. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitly joined and fitly fitted together. Did you hear that? Being 
fitly fitted together is going into a holy temple to the Lord in whom you are being built up into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. He's a living stone. The word living there is a beautiful word used several times in the New Testament. One time it's used in the New Testament is when our Lord is talking to the woman by the well. Remember referring to himself, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall have living water. Do you remember in John 6 when the throngs of people were throwing after him because he had fed them bread and he said, he who comes to me will receive the living bread. And now he is the living stone. Other things are said about him, of course. Uh, he is the elect of God, chosen of God, from the very foundation of the world, to be the savior of the world, the founder of the church. He is precious. Don't, don't you love that word precious? Our son was just a toddler. I taught him to say, say, Sammy, whose boy are you? And he said, I'm daddy's precious boy. I love that. Ladies, have you ever gotten mad at your spouse because he called you a precious woman? You like Precious stones. He's precious to God and to us. Now this is our Lord. And we're called to love our Lord. And you can just kind of mark it down. When, when hope diminishes, it, it's because we've been drifting a bit and we... we don't love our Lord like we used to, or we're not experiencing that love of, of Jesus. He's the cornerstone of the church. He's the living cornerstone. But there's something else here. Peter says that you and I are living stones. Now, I hope to goodness he's not talking about our hard heads. He says we are a living Living stone. You, verse 5, also are living stones, are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices through Jesus Christ. Now, that may mean that we're growing, and we do grow, and we do need to grow, and it's a continual process. It may also mean that God himself is responsible for growing us and he's building us into something that is alive upon which he can build his church. Think about it, my friend. You, you are a part of the church of the living God. And he looks at you and says, you know, I can use her. You know, I can use that young man. You know, I can grow that child, and one day that child can serve me in a dynamic way. They're living stones. That is who we are. That is what we're about. Now, do you ever feel like you're a mess? 
Do you ever get down on yourself? I suppose a certain amount of that is natural. We had a prof years ago. He's now with the Lord at Howard Payne. I probably told you about him before, but every year he'd look at his freshman Bible class and he would say, I, I don't know what you think of you. How would you like to hear that as a college freshman? So I don't know what you think of you, but I know this, that you don't think near as much of you as God does. Church, what does God think of us? I, I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else, look at verse 9. It, it's an intensive expression in its original language. But you yourself are a chosen race, chosen by God. You, you can never be unimportant. You're chosen by God. There's no such thing as a, as a little church. If you understand the infilling of God in the church, every church is a big church bound for eternity. You're, you're a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. Now, how on earth do you get to be royalty? Well, you don't get to be royalty by taking a study course. You have to be born into it. We don't know a lot about that, of course, in America, but uh, in England they do. How do you get to be royalty? He says, we're royal. We've been born again into the family of God. And we've been called to a, a royal priesthood. A holy nation. By the way, what does a priest do? He takes the people to God and God to the people. You know, I'm honored when you come and ask me to pray for you. But do you understand that before God, you've been made a royal priest and you don't have to have a priest pray for you. You can pray to God for yourself. You are a believer priest. That's who you are. You are a holy nation. The church, redeemed, a people for God's own possession, that you may belong to Him. You know, I picked up the newspaper one morning when I was in Dallas and, and read that Jackie Kennedy Onassis had had a garage sale. And she still had a set of President Kennedy's golf clubs. Now think about how old they were. Think about how none of the technology that exists with golf today existed then. His golf clubs sold for more than $700,000.
Now, what made them worth $700,000? I bet you the guy that bought them never tried to play golf with them. What was important about them? Well, they, they were important because of who they belonged to. Whose name was attached to them? Now, do you see that here? Whose name is attached to you, church? You yourselves are a people for God's own possession. <laughs> now, if a set of golf clubs that belong to a mere president were worth $700,000, what's a child of God worth who belongs to the eternal God of the ages? Do you see it? Once you're not a people, but now you're the people of God. He's talking about us, Gentiles. It's Jesus who brought us into the kingdom. You see it? Once we had not received mercy, but now we have. Never get down on you as a person of God. This is who we are in the church. God's own people. Now, how are we going to build? Well, at the end of verse 9, Peter says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We proclaim him. It's not talking just about a pastor standing in a pulpit that is important. And it's very important that he proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us through his word. But each one of us, together in the church, we're assigned to touch our world, to be God's people in our world. We're building stones. We're stones through which he is building his kingdom. I told you there's another stone. There's stumbling stones. Verse 8. Jesus himself is called a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. If you don't receive Christ... If you don't come to love Jesus, he becomes a stumbling stone for you. And you know, basically in our world, when we talk about our Lord as a great moral teacher, the world is pretty good with that. But when we talk about him being the only begotten Son of God, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. When we talk about him being the only way, he becomes a stumbling stone. We can rejoice in that. But then Peter also realizes that we can be a stumbling 
stone. Verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Keep, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may be cause of your good deeds as they observe them. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Do you hear that call? I told you last week we learned from Peter that we're to look at our past and say, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. And Christ comes in our life and enables us to be overcomers. And Peter encourages us so that we not be a stumbling stone to those who need to come. We're always being watched. We're always being watched. It's a frightening thing to me that I could be an excuse for someone to miss heaven. Does that bother you? We want to so love Jesus, so be like Him, so be overcomers, that in Him, well, in the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, so they may see your good works. Now remember, you're not trying to earn anything. You're trying to be what God called you to be, the mercy God gave you to have. So that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is us. That is us. And the church of Jesus Christ is called to be alive in such a way that people may indeed See, you and I live in a great, great time. It's not easy at all. In fact, it's becoming more and more difficult. But we're living in a day in which the world needs the church to be so deeply in love with Jesus that God is doing his work through the church And no matter what the world may do, it can't get away from the difference that God has made in the lives of his people in the church. And when that happens, stones, we keep hope alive. We keep hope alive. We keep hope alive. So Father, there's one of us here today who hasn't yet heard your call to say, my Lord, my God, may that call come today so strongly. And for those who hear it, may they come to say, 
Pastor James, I, I, I want to receive Jesus this day. I want to be a living stone. Lord, there may be those that you're leading to be formally a part of this congregation. And there's something significant about being formally a part. And there may be those who come today to say, Pastor, we want to unite. Not just a letter, not just a name, but a life as a stone for the building of this congregation. And God, so many of us, as we sing in a moment, need a time of worship in which we recall who we are and humbly accept that calling and that responsibility and that joy. Thank you for what you think of us and want to do through us. So, Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing. And as we do, make that your time of real worship and offering. And offer yourself to God. If you've never personally asked Jesus to be your Savior, do that today. If you need a church home and God has spoken to you about making this congregation your congregation, let us help you with that today. As we sing all for yourself to God, let's do His will. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to sing. I'll meet you here at the front.
thank you for being here today and being a part of the people of God at worship. We <clears throat> gather here, remember, and we are the church gathered. We go, and we go where the church scattered. And here and there, we are living stones. God is doing a work. And let him do his work in you. Remember, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, people for God's own possession. How precious it is. We're going to sing in a moment again, and then we'll be on our way. Uh, there will be a group going out, of course. You know, each one of you is invited to go to the river for baptism uh, now. Uh, don't get off without me. I want to come too, and I'm not sure I remember the way. So uh, let's plan on doing that. Thank you for being in the house of God today. Let's sing. You and Ralph.